Well, good morning, RCC. Glad to uh, be here with you. Glad to be with you online, wherever you happen to be joining us. Hey, I wanted to give you a heads up that we've got an event uh, coming up the first week in October, our starting point class. And if you've not already connected with RCC, we'd love for you to do that. We had our first digital class uh, just recently. And uh, it's an opportunity for you to learn a little bit about RCC, ask a few questions and get to know us a little bit more, and maybe figure out what your next step um, in your journey with Jesus is going to be, whether that's baptism, joining a serve team. And you can text TOWARDS uh, to that 10-digit number that's there on the screen. Uh, your hosts are going to be putting that in there as well. We would love to have you join us for that. Uh, so we're talking about food again today. Uh, I don't know if that was Ben's goal just to talk about food for seven weeks, but I'm game for it. I'm good with uh, eating uh, eating food um, and I think it's, it's interesting because um, food somehow uh, determines our mood, right? It somehow determines our mood. And, uh, and when, when we're hungry, then it can in some way affect how we say things or do things. Like when our blood sugar isn't where it should be, we sometimes say really weird stuff and sometimes mean things. And I think my favorite commercials are the Snickers commercials, um, especially the one with Betty White because she's a national treasure. Um, but I found this video that I'd love to share with you. And sometimes uh, I find myself in this situation. <laughs> Hey, want to get lunch? Yes. Great. Let's Give go. Give me one second. What does one second mean? Uh, like five minutes. An actual five minutes or like a Gabby five minutes? Like a real five minutes. Come on. It's been five minutes. Chill out. You're not starving. You don't know my body. Hey, is this tweet funny? Get up time. Come on! My insides are eating my outsides. We gotta go! Not even medically we possible. We gotta go! Allison! It's not funny! Hey, can you guys flirt after we eat? We're not flirting, Allison. We're talking about work. Okay, great. Let's all go eat together and talk about work. No, we're flirting. <laughs> all right. Well, I have had about enough of this. I am going to leave without you. So I'm off to eat alone, and it will be amazing. You're terrified of eating alone. You make a good point. <laughs> okay, you ready to go? Really? Yeah, let's go. Oh, wait, I just got an email and I actually do have to take care of this. <laughs> Why is this happening to me? Why are you freaking out? Because I'm so hungry. This is not the way a normal body works. Why don't you just have a candy bar? That will ruin my appetite. I want to have a full lunch. Yeah, seriously, feed us, right? Feed us. Has anyone been there? I've been, I've been there. I've been there. Uh, ben is never the first, uh, the last one out the door. I'll say that. He's like, come on, let's go, let's go. Um, but I think this, it's interesting that meals somehow um, change our personality. They change who we are, and a lack of a meal or delayed meal changes uh, who we are. And in my opinion, that reflects on the fact that we are humans right? 
when, our, when we don't have a meal, when we expect to have a meal, our humanity is reflected because we are not that ever ready or what was it, energizer bunny, right? We are limited in our resource of energy. And so it brings us back to the fact that there's Meals help us remember that there's something more going on here, and that's our big idea today, that meals along our journey remind us of what is ahead, right? That we cannot run indefinitely uh, without being refueled, but there's something bigger that is ahead. And I think that as we move through the series, you've seen that Jesus uses uh, in the book of Luke, as we've been going through it, he uses meals as an opportunity uh, to teach deep things, important things, uh, to people who are willing to be around him and learn those things. And that's what we see. Jesus is always surrounded by people who want to know more about God and learn more about how they're living. And meals are great. Um, They are sometimes not as intentional as they could be. Right? Meals are a great opportunity to connect and be part of lives with other people. Uh, but maybe you've run to work, uh, not packed your lunch. And so you had to call Grubhub and they had to show up and you end up eating your lunch uh, at your desk. Or maybe your family is a mix of work and activities and sports and you just, you just can't get together. Or maybe you live alone and a meal is just you sitting down at the table by yourself. You know, maybe breakfast is just grabbing whatever is available before you run out the door. But I think sometimes we miss the opportunity to be intentional uh, with meals. And I can speak from experience that um, with my own family, getting everyone who's in the house to the table at the same time to eat the same food is sometimes very difficult indeed. Uh, Rachel and I had a chance to go, my wife, uh, to go to a birthday party celebration last weekend. And there was a small group of us, but they were all people who go to RCC. And it was great because this meal brought us together, sure, but that within that meal, there was something special that happened because we're all connected to something deeper, not just RCC, but to Jesus Christ and what we share in common uh, with, with each other. And that reminds us that, again, our big idea is that meals along the journey remind us um, of what is ahead, of something that's deeper. And there's something uh, about quarantine that really uh, reminded me that when we're left on our own, we don't tend towards community. We tend to trend away from community, right? We don't trend towards thinking of others and towards ultimate things, and when our thoughts and, and uh, you know, our moods are just a tweet away from the ends of the earth, uh, sometimes we forget as Christians that the most important thing about who we are and what we do is not our, ourselves, right? It's not our, our mood and our attitude and that kind of stuff. Uh, it really is, as the name Christian means, little Christs, right? It means that we're, we're supposed to be like him, and our identity is not in the things of this world, And the deepest part of our identities, uh, we learn from Paul, who was a church planter in the first century, um, are things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those those are what we're supposed to be known for. Um, And it's been the case since the beginning that we trend away from those things. And so we're reminded to come back. And so today we're going to be in Luke 24. 
I encourage you to, to join me there. And if you don't already, if you don't have a, a Bible on you, I would encourage you right now just to go ahead and pull out your phone and look for the Bible app on whatever device you're in. It's free. It's the Bible that's literally on you all the time. Uh, so I would love for you to join, join me there. We're going to be in Luke 24, 13 uh, through 35. And just to set this up before we read the passage, right before this, Jesus has died and been put in the tomb. And we found out that when they went back to remember Jesus and memorialize him, uh, he was gone. So let's start reading at verse 13. Uh, Now, the same day, two of them were going into the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going on farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, they got up, returned at once to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus had recognized them when he had broke the bread. Right, these two people that were walking along the road really were lost. There was so much of their world um, that they had just experienced that really uh, had confused them and left them bro- broken and lost. And the Passover is the biggest day, the biggest celebration for that matter, uh, on the Jewish calendar. So they had, uh, they had gone and they had witnessed it. And beyond that, they had seen this Jesus who everyone had their hope in that was killed and put in the tomb. And so they left sad. And, and here's the first of, of three takeaways from our story. One, uh, while we are eating or not eating together, the promise is forgotten. While we're not eating together, the promise is forgotten. 
See, they had experienced the mountaintop experience, literally, because you have to go up to Jerusalem. But then metaphorically, they had been there in part of this whole thing and been crushed and had to come down. So they, they just shared that with Jesus as they walked, starting in verse 13 there. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, just rehashing these things. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they, kept, they, they were kept from recognizing him. And then here's, here's the critical moment. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? To which they replied. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things uh, that have happened in these days? And so there's literally no, no way to think of other than shock that they were probably in at this moment. And, and Ben mentioned it last week in his message about um, the Lord's Supper. Crucifixion was a brutal way to die, right? And, and to, to have experienced that and, and seen your hopes dashed would have left you really just shattered. Because a lot of people did believe Jesus was the ticket to freedom from Rome. And that's, that was a huge hope of theirs in the first century. And it was what he taught was different from what they had experienced, right? The hope, the grace that he preached and showed to others, and the way that he brought Scripture together uh, to help them understand it better um, was not what they had experienced. So after this, Jesus says, well, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And sometimes Jesus asks the shortest, most to-the-point question that none of us would even have a thought to, to ask. And on the surface level, it seems insignificant. But Jesus always does that, right? He always asks these kinds of short questions that get to the heart of the matter. And somehow, uh, it seems appropriate today. Some of the stupidest little questions we get asked are like uh, uh, the meme on your, your social feed that says, you have to wear a shirt tomorrow that says the last thing that you texted, right? And it gets lots of tractions, but it's useless, it doesn't affect your life whatsoever, but Jesus goes right to the matter and asks, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And I think the last seven months, uh, you and the other more than seven billion people on this world are probably wondering the same thing. What is going on? What is happening? And oddly enough, this little question that Jesus asked these two on the road is appropriate today. 2,000 years later, what are you discussing together as you walk along? What are you discussing with your family? What are you discussing with your friends, those you go out to eat with, your social followers, if you've got a following? What is it that, uh, what is it that you're experiencing? Because they were experiencing complete heartbreak that Sunday after after Jesus had died. And I think a lot of us are experiencing deep heartbreak today because they're thinking, hey, Jesus was it. He was it. He had done the miracles. He'd healed people. He took a basket full of food and fed tens of thousands of people. It was all there. How could this be? But they had been separated from those close-knit people. They were, they were by themselves and I think this reminds me that we're, we're really built to be in community, and that's why meals are such a great way to do that. 
Ecclesiastes is an interesting book, um, to say it mildly, but I think one of my favorite passages in in the whole Bible are in there, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And the simple fact of the matter is, you were not built to be alone. And I was not built to be alone. We're built to be in community. We were built to be together. And that's why one of our five values here at the church is being relational, being in relationship. That's why we, uh, we always ask you, hey, we would love for you to be on a serve team because when you get to serve with someone in ministry, you share something that's deeper than just going through life. And that's why we ask you to be in a life group, because being in life group is community. It's sharing life, the good times and the bad times with other people. See, I think when we are not eating together, the promise is forgotten. Now, I think the second thing um, that's great about people being together and eating is, is that we can be encouraging one another in God's Word, and it reminds us of the rock-solid promise of God. And, you know, some things that we could say uh, about the story that we, we can miss today as well. You know, this current situation that we find ourselves, we might be forgetting that the promises, the promises are just as real today as they were then. Now, see, these, these people in the first century, they had all of, of our Old Testament to look back on. Well, we have not only that, but all of the story of Jesus and the church from Acts to Revelation. So we have even more account of what God has done over the years. And so that's what, that's what Jesus does for them. He's like, hey, let's, let's talk about what God has done um, and, and why we find ourselves right now there. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and the prophets... He explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, he came alongside these lost, confused people and said, hey, let's remember um, what God has done for Israel, for our people, for the last couple thousand years, and how he has made promises and kept promises to us. Let's take a look at that and remember the promises of God. So I found this picture here. Um, this is a really cool illustration. Uh, and when you first look at it, you're like, that is the craziest looking rainbow I've ever seen. Uh, but what you're looking at is a visualization of the Bible, right? This was created by Chris Harrison in collaboration with Christoph Romhild. They developed this real visualization to show more than 63,000 cross-references in the Bible, and the bars along the bottom indicate the length of each chapter. The colors indicate the distance between the chapters. And here's how they described it. They said, we set out, we set our sights on something more beautiful than functional. At the same time, we wanted something that honored and revealed the complexity of the data at every level. As one leans in, smaller details should become visible. And you see the bar in the middle where you have the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And the colors show the, the oranges and the greens are from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end of the Bible. That throughout all of it, it all points back to itself. And he said, hey, let's look, let's look at what has been in the Bible and see how it pointed to what had to happen. And he just gave them that. Because I think um, emotions a lot of times um, can maybe push us to where we don't understand the world around us. And, and emotions aren't reality, though. I think a lot of times emotions can awaken us to our reality. And so my question would be like, how are you connecting um, with other people who also believe in Jesus? How are you reminding yourself that these things that we're experiencing now, as crazy as they are, aren't ultimate, right? There's something bigger going on. I'm talking about life-giving, life-changing relationships. Like, who are you in? Who are you having meals with? Who are you connecting with that are, are feeding back into the truth of God and the Scriptures, and meals are a great way to be reminded of hope that we're in this together, that there's something bigger than what's going on around us. And, and that's really what Jesus did for them. And so Jesus said, hey, listen, I've explained it to you. Let's just go ahead and let's go ahead and eat right now. And so in verse 30, he said, uh, he sat down and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And they disappeared, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts uh, burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scriptures to us? Right, it, took a, it took a meal for them to finally, like, wake up. And that remembrance of they had sat there, they had, they had seen Jesus do this, they knew what was going on. It, they, they were brought back to reality. It took a meal for them to finally do that, Right to get to that point where they were ready to do it. And I think that's because encouraging one another in God's word reminds us uh, that of the rock-solid promise of God. And Ben's been challenging us this whole time uh, over this entire series, like, who are you in relationship with, and who can you invite to do life together over a meal? Who is it that you can invite to go out with you and be part of that. We've got a couple weeks. We've got this Sunday and next Sunday left in the series. Um, I would challenge you, if you've not already done so, call somebody um, to get together with them over a meal. It is what will encourage you um, to, to be more intentional about your relationship with God as well. And that could be, um, I'm going to call, I'm not going to call any of you out personally, but I know that there are some really great backyard um, backyard cookers that if you, if you haven't already had me over, you're welcome to invite me over. Um, but I've seen a lot of your, your goodness on Facebook, and I'm just saying it's out there, uh, and Ben and I would love to come over to your house and eat. Uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe it's meeting someone up at a restaurant and just grabbing coffee together. Uh, whatever that is, there's something special that happens uh, when, that, when that happens. But the interesting thing is, after these... They had the meal, they sat down, and they realized, oh, Jesus, Jesus, this is it. It, it really happened. Uh, that moment for them of having no hope went to having complete hope because of the resurrection. Because in that moment, they realized these rumors that we had heard, they're true. They're absolutely true. And the resurrection meant that they had hope. But there's not another... 
there's not another religion out there that you can't go to the tomb of their leader. There's a tomb of Jesus that you can go to, but there's no body in there. He's not there, right? And that is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so what did they do? You know, they, they were already kind of in that mindset of, of what was going on. They said, you know, some of our women uh, amazed us. They went to the tomb, but they didn't find a body. They came and told us that they had seen visions of angels uh, who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. I don't miss this. Like the resurrection isn't just something. The resurrection is everything. Like it really is everything. It's the reason that we have hope. And there's this glimmer of hope in what they had told Jesus. Like something's not right. Like it would be great if Jesus was alive, but we have no verification that this actually happened. We, we just don't, we don't know what's going on. And, and let me stress to you today that the resurrection literally is everything. Like without that moment that Jesus was brought back to life, we don't have hope for the future, but we do have hope because he was resurrected and there is hope for you today. And we would love to connect with you, whether that's online, that literally that text line you could text any time of the day and you'll get a response back from us and then you'll get an email where you can connect. And if that's just asking questions, if that's just um, maybe stepping into starting point or baptism, we're all about next steps. It's all about the journey. It's all about moving forward. So I think at that point, the realization was, oh gosh, the resurrection's real. What do I do? And that's, that's the third point. It's that the promise of Jesus' meal is for us to share with others, right? The promise of Jesus' meal is for us to share with others. And the reaction is, is pretty amazing, right? Once they... Once they it, clicked in their mind and they realized what was happening, uh, this is what happened. They got up, returning at, they returned at once to Jerusalem where they found uh, the eleven and those with them, assembled together, saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The resurrection isn't just good news, right? It's not just a great, it's not just a good story to share with people. It is the greatest news um, that we can ever share. And the craziest part is it was earth shattering for them the Sunday after the, res, uh, the, the crucifixion. And it's just as life transforming for us today. Like we live a different way on this side of Jesus coming back from the grave. And I hope that maybe through a meal, through some opportunity for you to be with someone, you can share the fact that we do have hope and it is real. And then share your story with them, right? It's, scripture's great, uh, but really it's the relationship you have with Jesus that is what ultimately will change a life. You know, when you watch a TV show, you kind of get really into it and you fall in love with the characters that are there uh, to the point like maybe you watched all episodes of The Office 10 times. Uh, we have some Michael Scott fans here in the room. Like if, if Michael Scott rolled into the office, Ben would be like, we're going to hit a corn maze. We're going to do this right now. But Ben, uh, but, but Michael Scott's not real. Right? He's played by a person with a real life. So there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. And so that's the beauty of the resurrection. 
that not only do you know about Jesus, but you can actually know Jesus in a real way and experience him in new ways. And we get to do that through communion. Ben's going to come up in a moment and we're going to take communion together. Um, but, But beyond that, we remember, we rejoice in that, and then we get to give back those things that are are dragging us down to Jesus. And the band's going to sing a song called Graves in the Gardens. And it's all about how the hope that we have uh, cannot be met by anything in this world. There's nothing that can possibly point us in the direction of hope that we could find around us. It's only Jesus. But when we bring those dead parts of our life to him, he can take that and turn it into a garden. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that you have given us a hope and you've given us this moment to be together too. Just love you and reflect on the fact that, that you've given us meals and you've given us hope through being together. And I do pray that as we have these meals, as we meet with each other, that it will remind us that there's something greater that is yet to come, something bigger that is yet to come um, when we're in you. God, thank you for the hope of the resurrection, that we can rejoice in you. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.